0: as a teenager, I rode the bus to school. And it wasn't like your yellow American school buses that my kids get to school. It was actually more like a coach that you would have taken on a a bus tour around a foreign country. And, And it wasn't like your yellow American school buses in that it was filled with only boys because I went to an all boys school. And let me tell you that 50 teenage boys trapped inside a tin can for 30 minutes twice a day is a recipe for disaster. We used to play this game called Bundle, where we would shout the name of a boy and then Bundle, and about a dozen of us would pile on top of that person in the seat, right the way up to the roof of the bus. I honestly thought we were going to break the windows of the bus under all the pressure that was being exerted on them. And who was tasked with corralling all of these hormonal, hormonal boys? The bus driver, unbelievable, tasked with controlling 50 boys two times a day. You know, I was reflecting this week with my wife, Rachel, about how we had some bus drivers who were able to exercise their authority really effectively. They, they actually had our respect and our admiration, And then we had other bus drivers who didn't do such a great job, and they really didn't command any respect from us. In fact, I remember one of them one time, instead of driving us to the normal drop-off zone, drove us straight to the school offices, locked us in the bus, and went to get the principal to come out and deal with us. We were a riot and so I, I, was, I was thinking this week, what was it that made one bus driver so good at exercising that authority, and, and what was it that made another bus driver who had exactly the same authority over us so bad at exercising it? Maybe you find yourself in a position of authority, maybe it's over a large number of people, maybe you lead a large team in your, in your workplace, maybe it's over a smaller number of people, Maybe it's your, your kids or your grandkids, your family. Maybe maybe it's a position of authority over your clients or your customers. Maybe it's a, a position of authority in your role as a teacher or a medical professional. And I wonder if if you've ever struggled with how do I exercise this authority well. I know I struggle with how to well exercise my authority that I have over my kids. In fact, I think if it was a job, I might have been tempted to quit around about now. So how do we exercise authority well? Well, I'd like us to explore that topic today, and I hope to share with you the answer that Jesus gives to that question. My name's Ellis, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad that you're joining us today, whether you're in person or you're online, and actually in my homeland of England. It is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day, Mom, and happy Mother's Day to Julie, my mother-in-law. I'm grateful that you are able to join us in worship today. We're launching a new series that we're calling Jesus the Subversive Leader. We've spent the last several weeks looking at this idea of subversive leadership, through the person of Daniel, who was in the Old Testament. Now we're going to switch, and we're going to look at this topic through the lens of Jesus. And and the reason we're going to do it is because we believe Jesus was the ultimate subversive leader. And now I can hear some of you saying, hang on, hang on, hang on. It was one thing to call Daniel a subversive leader. It's a whole other thing to use that adjective with Jesus' leadership. And I hear you. I hear you. Let me, let me read to you the definition of subversive that we gave you all those weeks ago when we started out. It is seeking or intending to subvert an established system or institution. And we really believe that Jesus led in this way. And we hope that you're going to see that over the next few weeks. But let me be clear, he didn't lead in this way for his own selfish ends. He led in this way for the sake and for the benefit of the whole world. And today, we're going to be talking about the topic of authority how it was that Jesus subverted authority, how did he disrupt authority? And we may be familiar with that phrase, to lord it over someone. It conjures up images of of bosses who exert their authority in harsh and, and demeaning ways over their employees, or of husbands and fathers who abuse their families. And Jesus specifically calls that out in the passage we're going to look at today. And he says, not so among you. And he challenges his followers to exercise their authority in a very different way. So we're looking at a passage from the Gospel of Mark. That's one of the four accounts that were written about Jesus' life. And we're in chapter 10, beginning in verse 35. It'll be right here on the screen if you want to follow along. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. So James and John are two of Jesus' closest Follow us. He had twelve that he called to be with him, the disciples, but within those twelve there was this kind of inner three of Peter, James, and John. And they come to Jesus and they come with what I like to call the blank check question. Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask. Now, kids who are here today, they're not listening to me, which is fine. I'm a little boring. I get that. But if you came to me and you said, Dad, I want you to do whatever you whatever I ask you to do, how do you think I would respond? How would you respond, parents? (laughs) No way, a hard no. So let's see how Jesus responds to James and John. Jesus said to them, what do you want me to do for you? Look, he responds with a question. He's not harsh, he's not demeaning, he's gentle. And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand, And one at your left in your glory. So Jesus responds with a question and they give him their answer. Their answer is, we want you to cut out Peter from the inner circle and give us to the positions of ultimate authority. That's ugly, right? Really ugly, selfish ambition. It'd be like if you went to a rising star in your organization, someone who looks destined to become a a vice president and said, hey, when you make VP, can I be your right-hand woman? Or can I be your right-hand man? It's, it's just, it's really ugly trying to grasp a, a power and authority just, just for the sake of it. But again, Jesus doesn't respond with a harsh answer. Listen to the way Jesus responds. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word to us through the person of your son, Jesus Christ. Would you speak to us by the power of your spirit here this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus responds to this question. How? how do we exercise authority? And I think there are three things that Jesus teaches us in this passage, and they are all going to begin with the letter S. So hopefully you can remember it when you walk out of the doors of amnesia. So the first thing Jesus teaches us is that true authority is gained through suffering. True authority is gained through suffering. When, when James and John come to Jesus and 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 he responds to them by saying, are you able to drink that cup? Are you able to be baptized with that baptism? And and they respond with this real quick yes. And that makes me think they thought this is going to be an easy thing to do. And they had reason to believe that because the cup is often associated with celebration. And baptism was associated with the idea of God's renewal in our lives. But, But that isn't what Jesus is referring to here with those images The cup and baptism are actually images of suffering. And we see these images throughout the Old Testament, the first two-thirds, three-quarters of the Bible. The cup was the cup of God's wrath, God's anger that was poured out in judgment upon the wicked. We, We see it talked about in the Psalms and Isaiah and Jeremiah. And baptism, as Jesus is referring to here, is is actually an image we find in the Psalms. It's an image of suffering, of of waters coming and swallowing a person over and and almost drowning them. Jesus is saying to James and John, if you want to have true authority, you're going to have to gain it through suffering. And here's a little preview of where we're going to get by the end of today Jesus actually did that, Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath. Against humanity. Jesus was baptized into death so that we didn't have to be. Jesus gained true authority through suffering. A few years back, I got to speak on the topic how can a good God allow evil and suffering? And I had studied apologetics, which is how to answer difficult questions. I felt really well equipped. To tackle this question, I I felt, I almost perhaps felt like I was a bit of an authority on the subject in comparison to some of my peers. But that year, I underwent tremendous personal suffering, perhaps for the first time in my life. My father passed away unexpectedly, tragically, and I descended into this depression for months and months. I just couldn't seem to escape from it. And so when I came around to to talking on this topic of suffering that summer, even though I felt previously like I might have had the answers, like I might have been an authority, what actually came through, the, the real authority I had came from the suffering that I had experienced this year. And I knew that to be the case because I heard of one person after I'd given the talk who'd suffered much in their life. I I heard them that they said, Ellis really gets it. He understands. You know, I couldn't have got that from reading a book. I couldn't have got that from hours and hours of study. That came through really suffering myself. True authority is gained through suffering. And some of you right now I know we're experiencing incredible, tremendous pain and suffering in your life. Some of you have lost a spouse, lost a son, had a heart transplant. Your your daughters had a psychotic breakdown. And these are current and real examples from our community. And right now, you're just holding on for dear life. You're just trying to get through one foot in front of the other, making it to the next day. But here's what I want you to know. God is going to use what you are going through right now. He is going to use it to give you a new level of spiritual authority so that you can speak into and minister into the lives of those who are hurting and broken. Yes, it's painful. Yes, it's costly. But it is a precious gift that God is going to give you. True authority is gained through suffering. That's the first point Jesus makes. And the second is this. True authority is exercised through service. Exercised through service. As we continue in the story, the the other ten disciples, they get wind of James and John's request, and, and they're indignant, and rightly so, to be honest. I mean, James and John, that's just not on. And so Jesus calls a little team meeting and he says, guys, we've got to talk about this. Let me, let me teach you something on this subject. And this is what Jesus said to the 12. He said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you Must be slave of all, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus tells the 12 that true authority is exercised through service. I'm sure we all know of people in in positions of authority who, who lord it over those whom they're called to lead. You know it's so so easy when you when you're given a position of authority a position of power it's so easy to use that for your own benefit and to your own ends but that is not what Jesus calls us to. Jesus calls us to use the authority that we have in service of others. The best thing I watched on TV last year was Ted Lasso. Anyone anyone else watched watch Ted Lasso, they are like three people. So that means you'll need to go get a free trial of Apple TV Plus and binge watch the 10 30-minute episodes this week before your trial ends. I guarantee you will not regret it, and I'm not on commission. It's funny, it's heartwarming, it's uplifting, and it'll give you some insight into my life as a, a cross-cultural Brit who's, who's living in the U.S. So Ted Lasso is a U.S. American football coach who is tasked with coaching AFC Richmond, which is a professional English soccer team. But here's the catch. He's never played soccer in his life before. He's never coached soccer. He doesn't even know a thing about soccer. He's given this position of authority when he has no background, no experience, no no suffering whatsoever to have gained that true authority that we were talking about earlier. And so how does he exercise this authority? authority that he's given. He serves. He serves. For me, Ted Lasso is is the ultimate modern-day example of someone exercising authority through service. Initially, he's hated. In fact, he was hired by the new owner of the team because she wanted the team to fail. He was literally hired to fail at his job. And yet, slowly and surely, over time, He wins over the affections of the team, of the players, of the staff, of the fans, of the press, and ultimately his boss. And how? Because he leads and exercises authority through service, through love for others. You know, there's one quote of his that just sums it up. For me, he says this I don't care if we win or lose matches. Matches, by the way, are games, not the things you strike out of a box. <laughs> I don't care if we win or lose matches. I'm here to help these players become the best version of themselves. Could that be said about you? Would you say that about yourself in your position of authority? Is that why you are exercising your authority? Or are you doing it just to hold on to your position of power under all costs? Are you doing it to make yourself look great so everyone knows how awesome you are? Or are you doing it like Ted Lasso and like Jesus to love and serve others so that they might become the best version of themselves? That's what we want to be about as a church. That's why we put this right in the middle of our mission statement. Exalt Jesus, elevate others, and launch disciple makers. That's what we're all about. True authority is exercised through service. So first, true authority is gained through suffering. Second, true authority is exercised through service. And third, true authority is displayed In sacrifice. Listen to Jesus' final words to the twelve. For even the Son of Man, that's how Jesus refers to himself. He's talking about himself here. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus displayed true authority through his sacrificial death. For us, he gave his life as a ransom for you and you and you and you and you and me. I see each one of us has failed in our exercise of our authority. Each one of us has, has sought to, to gain authority and power from selfish ambition like James and John. Each one of us has tried to cut other people out of the way so that we can get to the top. Each one of us has has lorded it over those whom we've been called to serve. Each one of us has fallen short of God's standard of exercising authority. And more than that, each one of us has desired to have even greater authority than Jesus himself. Each one of us has desired to call the shots for our lives, to decide what's right and what's wrong. Each one of us has placed ourselves in a position of authority that is God's and God's alone. And there is a consequence for all of this power grabbing. We deserve to drink the cup, the cup of God's wrath, the cup of God's anger. But thanks be to Jesus. Jesus, the only one who exercised true authority continuously through love and service of others, the only one who didn't try to grab more power than was rightfully his, the only one who was willing to take the consequence of our wrongdoing upon himself. He was willing to pay the ransom price that was on our heads the price of death itself. We were held hostage by our sin, but Jesus paid the ransom. And because he took that consequence upon him, because he took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of the times we grabbed for power, because he took that upon himself, we are free of it. Forgiven, forgotten, we have a clean start in and through Jesus Christ, amen? Jesus displayed true authority in his sacrificial death for us. And now, he calls us to do the same. There are a couple of verses I skipped out earlier on. I I wanna go back to them. Remember, Remember how James and John said, we wanna sit at your right, we wanna sit at your left, and your moment of glory? This is what Jesus said in response to that. He said, to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. What was the moment of Jesus' glory? The moment when he was lifted up high above all other gods, shown to be the one who was willing to give his life for his followers? It was the cross. And who was it Who is at Jesus' right and Jesus' left in his moment of glory? Two criminals dying their own deaths on the cross. If we want to have true authority like Jesus, we are called to sacrifice our very lives. The call to Jesus is a call to come and die. It's a call to die to our selfish ambitions, to to die to our desire to, to lord it over others, to die to our desire to have an easy life. It's a call to lose our lives so that we might find them. And true authority is displayed by being willing to lay it all down and sacrifice everything. So, Jesus teaches us true authority is gained through suffering, exercised through service, and displayed in sacrifice. Remember those bus drivers I was telling you about earlier? One who was able to exercise their authority well and another who, who couldn't? Do you know what made the difference? As I was reflecting this week, as I was thinking about it, it was these three things. It was these three things. It was obvious to us, even as teenage boys, from their actions, from their words, as to whether they were in this to serve us, to suffer on our behalf, to sacrifice for us, smelly, stinky, hormonal teenage boys. It was obvious to us which ones of those were in it for the right reasons. They took an interest in us. They took care of us. They were always on time. They made an effort to to laugh and joke around with us. They were kind-hearted and gentle. And as a result, they gained our respect and our love. But the ones who didn't gain our respect, they were in it for the wrong reasons. I don't know why they were in it. I can't imagine that being a bus driver pays that well. Maybe they were in it because it was a power trip. I don't know but it was obvious to us boys through their words and actions that they were not there for us, they were there for themselves. In your positions of authority, wherever it is, in your home, in your workplace, your church, your neighborhood, I wonder if God might be calling you to make a change in how you're exercising your authority. Maybe one of those three areas God's been speaking to you about as you've been hearing these words. Maybe, maybe it's suffering, maybe you've realized that you're exercising authority in an area that you really, you haven't gained standing yet, that you haven't, you haven't suffered for, and maybe you need to take a little step back and be a little less assertive. Maybe it's in the area of service, maybe you realize my priorities are all out of whack. I'm in this because I love power, or I'm in this because I wanna look good, or I'm in this because I wanna get up the next rung of the ladder. And you need to flip it. And you'd say, I'm in this to serve and love those who I've been called to exercise authority over. Or maybe it's that last one, sacrifice. Maybe God is calling you to, to give up something, to lay something down, something that you're clinging on to tightly. And he's saying, I need you to let go. I need you to let go. How does Jesus disrupt authority? He teaches us that true authority is gained through suffering, exercised through service and displayed in sacrifice. And Jesus displays true authority in his life and he calls us to do the same. So how might God be speaking to you today? How might he be asking you to change how you are exercising your authority? Suffering, service, sacrifice. And what might it look like when you walk out of these doors, you enter back into the rest of your life, back to your Monday morning, what might it look like to make that change? Would you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful, so, so grateful for the love that you've lavished upon us in and through your Son, Jesus Christ. We can never know the true cost of the cross. But Lord, I ask this morning that you may enlarge our hearts to know how wide and how deep and high and great your love is. And as a result, Lord, would you transform us? Would you change us? Lord, may we be willing to exercise authority following the example of Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit within us Will change us from the inside out.